When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. This is your 10-minute mystery edition, a little slice of intrigue in the middle of your week. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with us as always, our storyteller and journalist, Paula Schleiss. Hi, everybody. 1970. It was a turbulent time in America. The protest against the Vietnam War was escalating. Many marginalized groups were demanding equal rights. Racial tensions were high. Protests and riots were common. And a recession and all the individual struggles that come with that made it all worse. Not that it's ever been a particularly safe time to wear the blue, but 240 police officers were killed in the line of duty across the country that year. Tonight, we remember one of them, Toledo Police Officer William Miscannon. William Miscannon was a 1955 graduate of Toledo's Maycumber Vocational Tech High School, after which he went to work for the Libby Owens Ford Company in Rossford as a glass worker. A decade of that, and he decided to change careers. In 1967, he joined the Toledo Police Department and became a patrolman. By 1970, he was 33 years old, married to Joyce, with three kids, Brenda, Diane, and Ken, and was a nearly four-year veteran of the force. Like the rest of the country, Toledo had seen its own share of racial tensions. There had been a series of race riots in 1967, but you didn't have to look that far back for an example. On September 18, 1970, the last day of Officer Muscannon's life, A group of some 20 people wearing Black Panther emblems had gone to the police station to protest the arrest of a man named James Dotson, who had been picked up on traffic charges. It didn't go well. Police believed the Black Panthers had called in a bomb threat earlier that day. There was a fist fight. Some arrests were made. Five officers were said to have been injured in that brief scuffle. It was a few hours after that when Officers Miscannon and Walter Shaw left the station for a routine tour in the patrol wagon. Miscannon's usual partner was Officer Whitey Cananline. They'd been together about a year and a half. 
The Canan line took a day off to go duck hunting, and so Miss Gannon was teamed up with Shaw. It was just after 1.30 in the morning when the pair pulled their wagon over at the intersection of Junction Avenue and Door Street. They parked there. It was the inner city, not far from where those race riots happened three summers earlier. It was a popular spot for prostitutes. There were several out working, despite the fact that it was raining. And right down Door Street from where they were parked was the local headquarters of the Black Panther Party. The Black Panther Party, if you don't know, was founded in Oakland, California by a couple of college students with a mission to monitor the behavior of police officers and challenge police brutality in that city. The group went on to become a national movement. There were certainly some positive social activities to the group. They provided free breakfasts for children. They opened community health clinics. But the group also earned a reputation for a violent side, including numerous firefights with police. And in Toledo, in 1970, the local Black Panther chapter was a real source of trouble for the local force. As Officer Miscannon, who was white, and his evening's partner, Shaw, who was black, sat in the car, a late model Cadillac pulled up behind them. A black man got out and approached the driver's side window where Miss Gannon was behind the wheel. Miss Gannon rolled his car window down and asked what was going on. The man suddenly pulled a thirty-eight caliber silver handgun, held it to Miss Gannon's head, and said, Hey, baby, I've got something for you. Then he pulled the trigger. Officer Shaw jumped from the car, dodging several shots as the assailant raced back to his car and fled. Shaw returned to the cruiser, checked on his partner, and called for help. Miss Gannon was taken to Mercy Hospital, where he died of his wounds before the sun rose. Shaw himself was hospitalized for being in a state of shock. WTOL Channel 11 in Toledo did a program on the anniversary of this murder last year, and they interviewed Canan Line, that partner who was off the night of the shooting. He said of Officer Muscannon, he was such a good police officer and a fine man. He was a little quiet and a little serious, but he was a fine man. The program also interviewed one of the fallen officer's children, Brenda remembered the morning of her father's death. Her and her sister Diane were stirring in their bunk beds, and her brother Ken was brushing his teeth, getting ready for school. I heard the phone ring, she said, and I remember hearing my mom cry. She said a few minutes later, she heard her brother's mournful screaming. When Shaw called for help that night, 40 officers arrived at the site of the shooting within minutes, and they marched on the Black Panther headquarters. Police said later their attention was drawn to that building because they'd heard a brief burst of gunfire coming from that direction. What followed was a siege that lasted six hours. As gunfire was exchanged, police lobbed tear gas into the building to clear it. One armed teenager, 16-year-old Troy Montgomery, was critically wounded as he fled the building with a loaded rifle in his hand and a strip of ammunition over his shoulder. 
Later, a black ambulance driver, Leroy Hardnett, said he attempted to pick up Montgomery, who was lying on the street. He said an officer aimed a cocked gun at him and insisted he leave the boy to die. Montgomery was later taken to the hospital by three policemen. He survived after several weeks in the hospital. As tear gas filled the building that night, others fled, only to take up posts from other nearby buildings. They continued to snipe at the police, though no one else was injured. Finally, when it was light enough, the officers rushed the building. It was empty by then, but they continued their canvas of the neighborhood, and on Pinewood Avenue, they found 25-year-old John McClellan. He walked from a house, approached them with his hands raised, and said, I know you're looking for me. Toledo Police Chief Anthony Bosch, in his first interview with reporters after the firefight at the Black Panther headquarters, said he didn't believe Miscannon's death was instigated by the group. He said he didn't believe it had anything to do with the incident at the police station earlier that evening though he did think the Black Panthers had taken advantage of the situation to cause more unrest. A day later, Chief Bosch had changed his mind. By then, Officer Shaw had identified John McClellan as the shooter. They even found a local prostitute who was working the corner that night. She named him, though she would never agree to testify out of fear for her own life. And so McClellan was charged with Officer Miscannon's murder. A jury heard the case in June of 1971. They ended up hopelessly deadlocked. The prosecutor pushed for a second trial, which was held in November of 1972. Again, the jury couldn't agree McClellan was guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. A federal judge stepped in and prevented a third trial from taking place. McClellan maintained his innocence throughout the trials and for the rest of his life, insisting he was not the gunman. McClellan told WTOL in an interview in 2005, I have great empathy for the man and the victim's family. I can understand how they feel, but not at the expense of making me a victim. William Miscannon was buried at Calvary Cemetery on Door Street, just blocks from where he was gunned down. His old partner, Whitey Canaanline, revealed this stunning story about how Miss Cannon seemed to prophesize his own murder at that very cemetery. Canaanline said a couple of weeks before the shooting, the two were driving through Calvary Cemetery on patrol when Miss Cannon said, I want to tell you something. I'm going to get killed. Canaanline said, oh, come on, and he dismissed it. But Miss Cannon continued, no, I'm serious. Then he proceeded to tell Canaanline that after he died, he would return to visit him during the first full moon at the spot where the wildflowers bloomed. Miss Cannon loved wildflowers, and Canaanline had been with him when he stopped to pick some trilliums on a spot along Oregon Road. After his death, Canaanline went to Oregon Road and waited. He didn't show up, Canaanline said. I stayed until dawn, 
but he didn't show up. Miss Cannon had a grandson who followed in his footsteps. His daughter, Brenda, had a son, Jared, and he grew up trying to decide whether he wanted to be a cop or play football. When Jared was young, Brenda made him a little police uniform and got him a siren for his tricycle. It wasn't until Jared started getting very serious about law enforcement as a career that Brenda finally told him the story of her father and that he could not be a police officer. But hearing that story about his grandpa only made him more determined that that was what he was supposed to do with his life. And while his mom struggles with his career choice, Brenda said it was probably inevitable. It was in his blood. He's now an investigator for Harris County near Houston, Texas. In addition to a marker at Calvary Cemetery, Officer Miscannon, who wore badge number 393, is remembered with a marker at the Toledo Police Memorial Garden between Spillbush Avenue and Erie Street. As for John McClellan, the attorneys who defended him hired him to do errands, but in 2007, they caught him stealing about $2,700. That happened to be the same year Toledo had another police officer killed in the line of duty. And the old Miss Cannon case and McClellan's trials had made a reappearance in the news. McClellan said being in the spotlight again had sent him back to the bottle and motivated him to steal the money. A judge didn't buy it. He sentenced McClellan to 30 months in prison for that theft. According to the WTOL anniversary piece last year, McClellan has since died. That's it for a 10-minute mystery. We'll see you here Sunday for our next regular full-sized episode. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week. May all of your mysteries have happy endings. History is the greatest adventure story. But does it ever leave you wondering what the women were doing all that time? This is Lori from the Her Half of History podcast, and the answer is that some women were seizing power, or escaping slavery, or spying for their country, or creating artistic masterpieces, while countless others were doing the laundry, getting married, and wondering why their clothes don't have more pockets. If you would like to hear the stories of women doing all of those things, check out Her Half of History at herhalfofhistory.com or wherever you get your podcasts.